welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Our teachers, praise God. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to our key scriptures in this series out of Isaiah 35 and 8, Hebrews 12 and 14, and then uh, Romans 12 and 2. Amen. Praise God. Be uh, be praying for, for Israel. Um, today, there was uh, missiles and rockets launched from Lebanon into Israel. This is a plan of the end time. I'm going to talk about it. This is a plan when you have weak global leadership, things like this happen. And, and um, it was even predicted a few months ago when we handed Iran $6 billion. That money was going to go through Iran back into Palestine, and it did. The weapons, some of the weapons they're using are our weapons that were left in Afghanistan. And so we're, we're, we're facing all of this. Russia and China is behind this. They're playing this for a global conflict. They want, we're, we're sending a fleet of our naval ships over there right now. We need to pray for the protection of our men and women that are going to be over there being a shield. And uh, this is the plan. They, will, they, they want to get America spread, spread out thin. And uh, I'm telling you, you better keep your eye on Taiwan. You better watch it. And so we, we need to pray. We need to pray for our country from New York to Sydney, Australia. The Muslims and the Palestinians are those pro-Palestinian people in the streets chanting, gas the Jews. Go, go find it. It's there. They're chanting it, gas the Jews. They chased a congresswoman down the halls today asking her, will you repudiate the dismembering of little children and the decapitation of toddlers and infants. She wouldn't even say a word. For three minutes, they asked her, disavow it, condemn it, and she wouldn't. There is a hatred for God's people. We're spiritual Israel. They're natural Israel. And and we need to bind together and we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for our, our and we need to pray for ourselves. Amen. When you see that many people that are pro-Palestinian marching in the streets, chanting gas the Jews. The Jews are out there in New York and San Francisco just waving their flag in solidarity with Israel. And the pro-Palestinians are just mocking them and spitting on their flag and mocking them, chanting gas the Jews. I, If you can align, I'm going to stop. I'll talk about it in a little bit. You can't ally with people like that and love God. I'm going to prove it in a minute. You'll become an enemy of God. God said, Israel's the apple of my eye. That means the pupil. You're going to poke God in his eye. You're going to have some trouble. Amen. Let's read. I'm, I'll, I'll swing back into that in a different way in just a minute. And a highway shall be there in a way, and it shall be called, everybody say it, the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. 
And Paul writes in Hebrews, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And then Romans 12 and 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now we have been in this way of holiness series for months now. And the more that I look at where we're going, and I'm not, you know, trying to, whatever. I highly doubt we finish this, this year. Because there's a lot of, lot, lot of things in there that deal with the life of, of holiness. <clears throat> and so we've talked about the spirit of holiness for several weeks. Then we talked about uh, the setting of a standard for several weeks. And now we're in a new portion of this series uh, entitled Be Not Conformed. And so we're picking up on that and launching in further into this series. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for an atmosphere with your spirit that is receptive to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would open our understanding tonight. And Lord, help us to receive your word, not, not through our human spirit, but through your spirit. And draw us ever closer to you, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. As you're seated, look at somebody and say, don't be conformed to this world. Amen. You can be seated. Now, last week, we talked about uh, the great battle that there is between us and our, and our human nature. That's something that we have, we have got to, to really grasp a hold of is that there is a daily battle and your daily battle is not between you and the devil, although you will battle spirits, but your daily battle, your worst enemy, the one that's going to drag you to hell faster than anything else, you look at him every day in the mirror. That's your greatest enemy. And uh, you, you need to understand that because if you don't get that understanding, you will fail in trying to serve God because you'll try to serve it without putting your flesh in, in subjection. And so we talked about that last week, how important that it is to put our flesh in subjection. Well, we also talked last week, and I think Brother Garza posted the video link to Dr. Bernard's um, podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, kind of, and and he, he alludes to it, but it's something that we've referenced many times uh, throughout this series is that what I have been teaching, what I am teaching, and what I'm going to teach I would comfortably say, very conservatively, 75 to 80% of what I'm teaching 50 years ago, all Christian churches agreed with. It has so flipped in the last 50 years ago that exactly what the Bible said was going to happen would happen, that they would wax worse and worse. They would call evil good and good evil. And they were talking about people that profess Christ. And so in the last 50 years, things have, things have shifted. And we, people wanted acceptance. And if you go back and you read, matter of fact, a lot of the apologists for these different denominations or Christians group will go back and say they're, un, they're undoing in the earliest days were saying lines of distinction that they held to be important. One generation said, you know, I don't know if that's so important. And um, they, they majored, and listen, we are, 
I don't think I have to convince anybody of this because at least I hope you believe this. We are not anti-education at all. We believe in education, you know, where, where it is relevant. I don't think, oh, I don't want to walk into that swamp right now, but, you know, I don't think everybody needs a four-year degree. You know, I, I think it's a waste of money. It's an indoctrination center for most of them. And, um, you know, you, you, I see, you know, Brandon went and became an MD, and over, you know, at least half of his classes for eight years were like literature and art and, you know, had nothing to do with becoming a doctor, but but that's that's how there it's it's one of the it's a multi billion dollar industry in education because they it's it's a monopoly and so um, I don't think everybody I don't think everybody you know needs a four year degree I think it's great if that's the field that you're going to go into you know got a lot of people complaining about pay off my student loans well you switched your major five times and then. You, you know, if you, want to, if you want a postgraduate degree in finger painting, you're probably not going to get a job in that. And I don't think I should have to pay for your $200,000 in debt. But that's just me. I may be in the minority on that. But I tell, you know, like uh, I'm so proud of Brother Vincent. Brother Vincent said, you know, he, he said, I'm going to make some money. And he's in welding school right now. And he's been there for a while. He's doing phenomenal. He's, you know, one of the, he's, you know, I, you know, he's, he's a smart young man. He knows what he's doing. And the great thing is in two years when all his classmates that went to a university are about $90,000 in debt still living with, you know, their parents because they can't pay off student loans and all of this, he's going to be making good money right? He'll be able to start a family. They'll say, pay off our debt so we can start a family. Well, what about my family? I didn't go into debt. Anyway, and so, so it's a scam, and, and you can't just go get it. They got to indoctrinate you, and so we're not against education, but, but, to say, but saying that, these denominations, these, these Christian movements have looked back and said that in their effort to gain legitimacy, in the secular world or in, or in an acceptance worldwide, they became, a, there was such a heavy emphasis on education. And they went wild trying to get education. So they went to, to very secular colleges to try to learn about God's word so that they could get a degree in theology or philosophy um, or whatever it is. And what ended up happening for most of them is they looked back and said, when you're immersed in that environment, you don't have a conviction. They just said, well, you know what our, what our elders taught us was just kind of foolish. It didn't really take all that. So that generation 55, 50 years ago started saying, well, I don't think this is so necessary. And then about eight to 10 years later, the next graduating group said, yeah, well, if that, I don't think that's necessary. It, then it just dwindled down to where to where it is now. Because, you know, 30 years later, they started going, well, if you held that as necessary, then how could this, then why would we even hold this as anything? And they just let it go and let it go and let it go until you got churches that have drag queen preachers. Right? And, and, and so... I, and I, I don't have to disqualify this thing. Everybody here knows me, knows I love people. Uh, that, that ain't an anti-people thing. It's a, it's a demonic spirit. And they said, well, if that don't matter, this, then we're just going to let all of this go. And so, so there are churches that 50 years ago 
and I'm not even talking about things as in marriage between a man and woman. And there's, you know, it is controversial in a, in a lot of churches to get up and say there's two genders. You'll trigger people. I mean, even science says that. It started with God. In the beginning, he made them male and female. Because if you can say there's more than that, then you have just said God is not God. And Christian churches are, you're listening on podcasts, those are big air quotes. Christian churches are saying it. So what we are teaching in some sense may seem antiquated to people. And that's only because the religious world has moved the goalposts so far from what the word of God says. To where if you stand with the word of God, then you seem like you're almost prehistoric or something like that. You're a caveman or a Neanderthal. And so they move the goalposts. So when we just stick with something simple and we say there's a male and female, a lot of the nominal world goes, they hate everybody. And then they start calling you a phobe. You're some kind of phobe. You can't just be disagreed with. You know, you're, you're, or you're an ist. There's some, you're a phobe or an ist. You're an istophobe or a phobist. You know, you're a, you're a homophobe. You're a, a transphobe or you're a racist or you're whatever the ist. I gave up a long time caring. Like, I could care less. As a matter of fact, when people throw those labels because I say what I believe, I know that they're the ones that struggle with racism the most. Because what I've learned in the last 10 years, they project what they really have in their heart on people. So it don't bother me. I learned a long time ago, sticks and stones may break my bones. And yes, words do hurt, but not when they're lobbed by those kind of people. Matter of fact, I take it as a badge and honor. That means, you know, you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, one gets hit, it's going to yelp. So you got to give up whether or not all the people on your job or at your school are going to agree with you when you stand with the Word of God. And you don't have to be mean about it, and you don't have to be hateful about it. You just got to stand on the Word of God. Say, so you, you have there, I'm going to love you, I'm going to pray for you, and, and, but this is what I believe. And let the chips fall where they may, because God is ultimately in control. You can't, you can't, get, you can't get pulled into that debate. You, you're going, you, if, you, if you try to debate with their rules, you'll always lose. So you just got to stick with the word of God, amen, and, and say God's word is right, and I am going to follow God's word unapologetically, amen. And so uh, don't get caught up in the whole, you know, which side of the aisle you're on and which part. I don't even get, a, I don't even get involved in that. I, I just know this. There are, there are people we don't need to align with. I said this last night. And uh, there, there are people and there's parties we shouldn't support. Say, Pastor, how do I know if I should support them? Or not? Let me borrow this, Brother James. If you walk into their political rally with this, I can tell you one party to run you out of there. That's my standard. If I can just walk into their rally and trigger the whole group by just holding the Bible, I'm not going to support them. You want to know why? The Bible says if I strengthen the hand that does evil, God will hold me accountable for the evil that hand does. And besides, they already told me they don't want people like me there because I believe, I believe that, I believe that uh, you shouldn't murder children in the womb. 
And I believe there's two genders. And I believe marriage is sacred. And they've already said, if you don't believe these things, we don't want you. Well, that's fine. I don't want your platform. I'm not endorsing the other side. I'm just saying that one, I can't be a believer and go with that side. And what they've done, and, and you, you need to go online, go to YouTube and find what Bishop G. Patterson said about this uh, uh, African-American pastor back in, 19, uh, back in 2006. He said, we are selling our soul to this party because they say the right things, but they're murdering our unborn babies. And they're forcing us to break down the concept of marriage. Amen. So, and they, and they say, well, if, if I don't line up with them, then that means I'm all of these phobes and ists. That was the plan. I'm going to line up with God's word unapologetically. That's why we stand with Israel, because it's in God's word. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. We stand. I'm not going to stand with the people that are waving Palestinian flags and will not condemn the hacking to pieces of infants. Probably don't bother them because they're okay with it when it's in the womb. They're slaughtering the people. And this doesn't endorse violence either way. We need to pray for both sides in this situation. But when they're chanting gas the Jews and you can't get a condemnation from any official on that side, you start backing away and go, whoo, okay, I'm going to stay on God's side. Amen. That is not an endorsement of any party. I am an independent. That, that's just that. Amen. Your flesh, that didn't cost you anything. It was totally free. And literally, literally, if you have questions about this in a more micro sense, ask me. I don't get my political views from bumper stickers, much less Fox News or MSNBC. I get my political views from the Word of God. I don't care which candidate endorses. I'm going to stick with God's Word. Amen. And, and so, you know, before you ever let somebody, you know, if you're on podcast, listen, you write me off and say, well, he must be this. Ask me. I'll tell you. As long as it's going to be a conversation. As long as there's not finger wagging and all the labels, I'm just going to stick in the word of God. Amen. Because there's a battle between our flesh and God. Last week, we talked about how that when we were born, uh, remember we used the headwaters, uh, uh, typology of the Mississippi River, amen, and uh, where's Brother Nichols? Brother Nichols is a, a Michiganian, Michiganer, Michiganian. I can't get them all right, amen. And them, 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 them waters coming out of the Great Lakes are clear. It's beautiful. You, you just, if I, if I got around, and this is no joke, if I got around, the water where I'm from in the Mississippi and the rivers where I'm from is so muddy and so dirty. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, down there in Mississippi? Would you ever drink that water in the Mississippi? No. You wouldn't even boil it and drink it unless you were about to die. You can't see that far in the way. It's so dirty. It's so... Fish tastes better there, though. I won't eat catfish from out here, and I won't eat mud bugs from out here. The water's too clean. The, they, that mud gives them their them crawfish the flavor. Don't, Sister Jamie, am I telling the truth? This Delta crawfish they gave me one time, I, I'd gag a maggot on a gut wagon. I couldn't eat that stuff. Hey, Amen. But that Mississippi mud, that, that, that mud from the Red River and the Sulphur River, hey amen, the Sabine River, hey amen, all that stuff, that's, a, that's some good eating mud bugs and catfish out there. Hey 
But up north, it's so clean. Come through Iowa and all this. Man, that if I saw water like that when I was a kid, I'd reach down and drink it. I'd be at Watchtaw Lake, you know, up in the Ozarks. It's clear. I remember reaching out and doing like that. My dad's like, hey, boy, there might be Jardia in that water. Jardia, what's that? Is that a northern term or something? What he said, no. <laughs> you can't just drink water because it's clear, but I thought I could. I mean, even when I was older and I was up in Washington State and up in Oregon, the water is so clear. I mean, I reached down, grab a handful of water, mountain water, and I just drink it. Because where I'm from, you can't do that. Remember, we talked about how when we were born, it was likened unto being released from the pure headwaters, right, which would be Michigan and, you know, all that area from the Great Lakes. See, I'm liking it to God, right? And all those folks from the upper Midwest are going, finally. <laughs> and so it's clear. It's, it's what, and, and the current pushes from the north down the Mississippi. But the further south you get, the more diluted the water gets, or the more polluted it gets. And I'm not talking about chemical. I mean just with, with, with silt and dirt and mud. So by the time you, by the time you cross the Mason-Dixon, you start getting in the southern states, that the river's unrecognizable. It doesn't look anything like it did a thousand miles earlier. And that's because it's had enough time to, to leave the source of purity to become dirty, to become uh, infected or polluted or silt it out. And uh, that's why you don't, you, don't go, like, you don't go on a beach vacation in New Orleans or Biloxi or Galveston. It's not pure water, honey. She loves going to Galveston. It's like, it's like going to the chocolate milk beach, that water's so brown. 92-degree water, and you think I'm joking. That water, it's, uh, you get in the water and you sweat. There's no relief. And she, oh, I love Galveston. It's a dump, babe. That water is not, it's not beach water. Amen. You don't see them building big beach resorts down in Biloxi and Natchez area and, and New Orleans and all that stuff. No, you, you get on down to uh, Destin and, even, and Gulf Shores and, right, you start getting to Pensacola and all that kind of stuff. And it's, Why? Because all of that area of the Gulf is so, cl so close to all those rivers that are running from the continental U.S. and it's so silted and muddied out and that your relationship with God, when you are born again, when you are born, rather, you are drifting down the current of carnality and sin, but when you become born again, you flip around. You repent. That's what repent means, to turn around. I don't do what I used to do and I flip and I turn around and then I start swimming against the current because now my destination is not what it was when I was born. I was, I was listen, I was born to go to hell. My flesh was going to take me to hell just by being born. So I decided that I'm going to live for Jesus and let the world go by. I'll claim his promise. Amen. That's an old song too. And you start swimming against the headwaters. And you start swimming against the current. And you realize that your walk with God is a walk. It is a life of resistance. That's why, that's why the Bible would say resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You, you got to swim up against the current. And how many can be here long, have served God long enough, and, and you're not em, embarrassed enough to say, hey, there were times I stopped swimming for a minute. What happens? You start drifting back. Amen. And, and sometimes you were just trying to be friendly, and you just waved your hand, and next thing you knew, you just started getting pushed back. And you realize that, no, on this walk with God, I can't even stop. I just got to keep going. 
Have you ever have you ever got a cramp or a Charlie horse in your hamstring, and you're swimming? Hey, there's been times that 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 I've gotten offended in my in my calf muscle or my hamstring just got locked up and it felt like a tennis ball back there, and I'm just trying to tread water and hold on, but I realize that I got to keep swimming because no matter what, if I don't stop swimming against this current, it's going to push me back to the destination that everybody else is going to go to, and I don't want to go there. And, and, and this is why, and this is where I'll pick up and, and start new. This is where I left off. This is why people that have been serving God for many years will tell you, I love serving Jesus more now than I did 50 years ago. I'm more in love with Jesus now than I was 10 years ago. I love him more now than I did a year ago. You want to know why? Because the more you swim against the current, the cleaner the water gets because you're getting closer to the headwaters. You're getting closer to the source. Amen. Brother Leo, you're getting closer to Michigan. Amen. So you got to keep swimming. Amen. Some of you just flipped around and you're near Natchez and Vicksburg right now. That's some ugly water. Keep swimming. You got a long way to go. You'll be in St. Louis before you know it. It'll start cleaning up a little bit. You start getting some of you, some of you in the Natchez area going, Am I ever going to get you dogging logs and alligators and snapping turtles? And you, because you're just new in this. Some of you are swimming some more and your foot gets caught up on a log under the water and the current, but you just got to keep swimming. Some of you have been living for God long enough. You're, you're up around the Missouri area. So you've been swimming long enough. You're up near Iowa. Hey, man, get out and look around. That's a beautiful country up there. And then and, and you got to get back in and swim, right? Because you're, you're, it gets better. Look at somebody and say, but it won't always be like this. You just got to keep swimming because... Living for God is a fight against the current of flesh. Everything your flesh wants, God doesn't want. So you are constantly fighting against your own nature. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so uh, we, we talked about that last week. And so we're going to pick up here where we're going to talk about love, not the world. Love not the world. Now, the world defined in the original Hebrew and Greek, there are various words which have been translated in the King James Version of the Bible. In the Old Testament, the word world generally signifies the planet, this habitable planet, this sphere, this, this if you believe in that. I'm just throwing that out there. I try, I try not to offend people there. Maybe somebody here believes the earth is flat. I mean, I, Lord bless your heart. Amen. And if you don't know what that means, ask a southerner. Amen. And, but that's what it's generally referring to is the earth. Amen. Um, the, the planet that's in, inhabited. But, but in the New Testament, it's different. Um, uh, in the New Testament, it is, it is translated one of two ways in Greek um, for the word world. For the word world, it's in Greek. And one in the New Testament refers to a populated world, which is cosmos which is where we get the word cosmos or cosmopolitan. Cosmos meaning galaxy, universe, world. And so the other term that you get for world in, in the Greek is eonis or eons, or we get the word eons, which means time. And, and so uh, that's very important because Satan rules a kingdom that is opposed to the kingdom of God. And so when we're talking about world, what the Bible is translating is, is basically it means a world system. 
So God hates the world system. My flesh loves the world system. I hope this isn't too deep or too shallow. But my flesh loves the world system, Brother Chase, because the system was built by the world. I know it was profound. So that means the world system was built by carnal men and women that built the system to appeal to their flesh. Right? And so God says, my kingdom's the opposite of that. See, it's totally inverted. It's not like that at all. The world, and we're talking about the system of the world. uh, I remember one time when I was younger, and they said, love not the world. And I thought, thank you. There's a lot of jerks. Thank you. I don't have to love people. That's not what it meant. It meant the world system. So you can't walk out here and say, well, pastor in the Bible said, love not the world. So I'm just going to go around and, and uh, Brother Vincent, I'm just going to Bronx raspberry everybody I see. <laughs> I don't love you. That's not what he's talking He's talking about the world system. Let's, let's, because God's system is opposed to the world system. As a matter of fact, we can't even love the world system. Let's listen to what uh, John wrote in his epistle, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. This is what, now listen, I didn't write this. Matter of fact, if you have your Bible, open it up so you don't think that uh, Sister Olivia just pulled up some weird translation back there and she just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna make up something that's going to make pastor sound like he's right. Uh, read, get in your Bible, read 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, or if you don't have your Bible, write it down because I'm going to read it. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw anything at me. Because this is what John said. You ready? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, that's, that's pretty plain. That's pretty plain. See, if he had just stopped at love not the world, you know, we can make a lot of gray area around that. Even if he had just stopped and said, don't love the things that are in the world. You know, that gives me a little bit of cushion. But he said, if you love the world, the love of God's not even in you. And so then I've got to realize that in John 2, 16, 1 John 2, uh, 15, 2, 16, that John is explaining that the world is defined by what it consists of, its systems, the way it works. In the world system, the only way to to go up is to tear others down. You know, they say climb the ladder of success. Usually, that's by stepping on the foreheads of other people. But that's, that's, that is the opposite of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says, you want to go up? Go down. You want God to exalt you? Humble yourself. You want to get? Give. You want to live? It's opposite of the world system. Amen. And, and there, is a, there is a threefold uh, source of evil in the world. And I'm going to talk on this. If you're taking notes, this is a good time to write stuff down. There is a threefold source of evil in the world that the Bible describes for us. Are you ready? There's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, let's break these down for a second. 
Lust of the flesh is the desire of the body to satisfy carnal lusts in doing things that displease God. I'll read that again. This is the desire of the body to satisfy carnal lusts and doing things that displease God. That's lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes is the eyes are the gate through which the world is able to appeal to the carnal lusts of the flesh. So a lust of the flesh, you can almost say is almost that, uh, you can almost say it's somewhat of a natural lust, meaning it just comes with life. But if it's not lined up with God, you got to resist it. Right. You know, like before you're married, you, you got to resist that lust. Amen. That's why it's good to get married. Amen. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And so, uh, the, but the second one is the eyes. And that's through which the world will appeal to your lust. And it's like pouring rocket fuel on a flame because it will become perverse it'll become perverse and then thirdly is the pride of life everybody say the pride of life now the pride of life is the most subtle of all three of these now I'm a visual person so I I have to have a visual illustration the the lust of the flesh is like a pit bull all right it's like a pit bull right it's there locks on to you it's there but the, but the lust of the eyes is like a grizzly bear. Like both of them are vicious. Both of them are in your face. You ever had a dog come at you? Or you ever had a pit bull come at you? You'll never forget that. You ever had a grizzly bear come after you? Hopefully not, but if you had, you'll remember it. You know, sometimes I see those videos on Twitter. You know, somebody survived, you know, a bear charged them in the woods. I put my phone down for five minutes. I'm too scared to look at my phone. That's, that's a horrible sight to see that big old animal coming. But that's what the lust of the, eye, the flesh is. The lust of the flesh is that pit bull. It's deadly if you don't get it under control. But it'll take a little bit longer. But the lust of the eye is like a, it's like a grizzly bear. The big, it's a big 12-foot, 600-pound grizzly bear, and it would just rip you to shreds. But the pride of life is like a serpent very subtle. Matter of fact, you typically won't recognize it until it's too late. Amen. Snakes are, are God designed snakes to be camouflaged, right? You, you, you typically won't see a copperhead on green grass. Believe me, I grew up in that. Matter of fact, we just, we, we killed a copperhead a couple weeks ago when I was home. Um, I was taking out the basket, the swimming pool, to clean it. And right as I put my finger in the lid, we've caught so many snakes in there that, you know, even at 43, and so I'm, you know, 20-something years removed from being a kid, I, I, right as I put my finger down that lid to pull it up, I, I went, oh, man, I hope there's not a snake in there. When I lifted it up, probably about 18 inches, a copperhead just went, whoosh, he was up in the lid, and he fell out of it and was whipping around. And so we killed that sucker, though. We don't believe in letting them snakes live, not them, not them copperheads, amen. But, but he was easy to see because he was out of his element. Pride is in its element in the comfortable areas of your life, the pride of life. And 
Th- that's what it is. You know, when, when you're walking, when I go home, um, I would typically spend an afternoon, you know, Addie or my wife would tell you that I'm just walking my dad's property with, with a 22 rifle. And I'm just killing water moskins. I'm killing copperheads. And I'm wearing really good boots, too. And I'm walking through that brown, dead uh, of the woods. And you can't see a copperhead unless you step on it or it moves. You, I mean, I've literally stood on them and couldn't see it until I just really focused in on them. They're camouflage. That's the pride of life. The pride of life is the most subtle of all three for it exalts itself and causes a person to lift themselves up in rebellion and disobedience to God. Is this, is this all right tonight? This threefold source of evil can be revealed by the temptation of Satan, of Adam and Eve in the garden, and the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. Can I just take a moment to reveal all the, the, this threefold cord and how it played out with the first Adam and the second Adam? Can I do that? Say, prove it to me, Pastor. I will. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm kind of feeling like in a prove it type mood. Amen. Eve's temptation in, in the garden was the forbidden fruit. Or she said that it was good for food. It was the lust of the eye. She said, oh, it looks good. Then she said it was pleasant to her eyes. It was intensified. Now it just didn't look good, but now it had a sense of fulfillment in it, a perverted fulfillment. And then the third thing was that it would make her wise. That was the pride of life because pride will exalt itself. Even when you think it's right, it's still pride. And that's why it's subtle. It'll have its fangs in you before you even knew you were near a snake. It'll lock into you. Pride moves so subtly. Listen, there's no wonder they call this the pride movement. Okay? That's why they call it a pride movement. It's so prideful because it goes against the way of God. Listen, you ain't going to get a baby from two men or two women. Right? Doth not nature teach you. And you know, to me, one of the most ironic, I almost said funny, but I don't want you to misunderstand, but one of the most ironic things is all of these people that are out protesting Israel with their Palestinian flags you got a bunch of these white, liberal, elitist leftists out there waving their rainbow flags saying, we stand with Palestine. Would you please do me a favor? Would you take that rainbow flag to Palestine and do that and tell me how that works out for you? Do, do you not know the Palestinians hate you? Matter of fact, the whole Muslim world hates you? Take that flag over there. Now, obviously, I'm being facetious. I don't want you to do it because I know what they'll do. They'll take you and your flag and throw you from the tallest building. Say, Pastor, you're exaggerating. They do it in Muslim countries every day. But they call it, you know, they call Israel the racist country, and they tolerate all those lifestyles. They're very diverse. 
ethnicity, sexuality, religion. Did, did you know that 43% of Palestinians oppose what's happening? They oppose their own brethren. You want to know why? Because they have peace living within Israel. All right. So, so they call it, it's the pride. Think about it. It's pride. They, they fell into the trap. When you can say that a boy, born a boy can be a girl, you've literally put your finger in the face of God and said, I'm better than you. When you say a girl that's born a girl can be a boy, I know what you're thinking. Uh, or somebody, I know maybe not anybody here is thinking it, but somebody might be thinking this later on on a podcast or a live or whatever if they let us, if they let us live stream anymore because eventually they're going to shut this kind of preaching down. Eventually, eventually the banks will shut down churches that preach like this. And this ain't hate preach. This is love preach. This is Bible preach. Would, would it be love if a doctor said, you got a cancer, I need to cut it out? Or is it love if the doctor says, don't worry about it, here's a Band-Aid and a lollipop, have a good day? Which one is love? Don't, don't let the pride movement redefine what love is. That's not love. That's lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But I've got some really bad news for the pride, and I don't hate anybody. But for all those people wrapped up in the Skittle flag, I got, I, got to, I got to tell you something. God has already settled this issue. He said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Christians have no business siding with a pride movement. None. Because God hates pride of any kind. Number one. God said, you want to be prideful? I'll destroy you. So I don't know about that, Pastor. I don't think God will. Hey, ask Sodom. You know, they tried to tell us for years, uh, Sister Galen, for years, they tried to tell oh, it's just a biblical, it's just, you know, it's a myth. Do you know in the last 10 years, scientists, even atheistic scientists and, and uh, archaeologists believe they have found the literal city? of Sodom and Gomorrah, for they have found sulfur balls that have incinerated a city that they're finding the ruins of 20 feet beneath the sands. And they said the only thing we can think of is this the biblical account of Sodom and Gomorrah. And now they have linked it to the time that a volcano in the region could have, and they do believe, exploded and rained down sulfur and lava and destroyed that city. Well, they, if that's what they want to say God used was a volcano to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah, you can use, but the Bible is still right. Amen. Amen. Is this okay tonight? So I'm, I'm going to need you to just hold on and buckle up because if you love God, these things may, may have shake your flesh a little bit. If we're going to be saved, my flesh is never going to be saved. My spirit's what's got to be saved. That's eternal. So if it may rattle my flesh, that's okay as long as I get it right in my spirit. And so for, you can't, listen, I know these are hard lines. And get ready for the day. It's fastly approaching. If things don't change, Brother Vincent, the day's coming. Chase is going to call this church and say, we're closing your accounts. You're a hate speech church. Not these chases. The Chase Bank. 
maybe we need another Chase Bank, you know, start their own, amen. They got the smarts to do it. They're, the Wells Fargo is going to start calling church. Listen, they're already doing stuff like this in America. Credit card companies are refusing to allow and, and banks to allow their, their card holders to purchase handguns. You say, well, I, okay, well, that's just the beginning. Oh, well, I'm going to move on real fast. We cannot align ourselves with this type of stuff. As Christians, we have no right to align ourselves with a pride movement. All right, so that was it in the garden. Somebody say, now prove it to me, Pastor, in the New Testament. I am so glad y'all asked me to because in the New Testament, the second Adam is now about to go through this in the wilderness. First of all, the devil suggested that stones should be turned into bread, lust of the flesh. And, and then he offered all the kingdoms of the world to Jesus. Lust of the eyes. Because the Bible said he showed them. He showed Jesus the glory of these kingdoms. He said, just worship me. I'll give it to you. It was the lust of the eyes. And then finally, he said, you know, why don't you cast yourself down from the top of this temple? And the Bible says that the angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. That was the pride of life. If you throw yourself down, angels will lift you. Willfully fall, and God will have to cover you. That's the pride of life. And through these channels, Satan endeavors to attract God's people to the world. He'll use those three channels to attract you to the world with a love, uh, uh, with a love for the things that you almost feel is natural. Why can't I? Well, I don't feel it's bad. It's not about feeling. It's about what God said. And I know I I joke a lot. I hope you know that I'm using a lot of comedic liberties when I say stuff like this. Because I I sincerely don't mean that. Well, maybe. But, you know, it may feel good to slap somebody sometimes, right? 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 It might feel good, right? But, but you, you don't do it. You're going to go to jail. And worse than that, God's going to get you for doing that. I, I don't know what happened today. Two, the two stores I went to messed up the two things I ordered. And I just had to swallow and smile and say, well, Lord, bless them. And, and, and you know, and, and, and the one was being so rude to me. I went to go try a new local uh, uh, takeout food today. And, I, man, it, they were, the, the guy was so rude. And I came back and I said, man, literally everything I ordered you got wrong. Do you mind replacing? And he kept saying, that's not what you said. That's not what you said. Until the owner opened the door and said, that's exactly what he said. We need to remake this. And so I just smiled the whole time. But, you know, sometimes I'm looking at this, you know, 19, 20, year old kid who who thinks he knows everything and I knew what adjusted my attitude at 15 and 16 and I could tell he had never had the board of education applied to the seat of knowledge and I thought you know maybe if I Lord you could use me to assist him with a good old smack across the head and teach him some manners right but I can't do that okay but just because that may 
feel like what I wanted to do or what I wanted to say, and I didn't. I'm just, I'm being facetious here. Uh, uh, But that doesn't mean it's right because feelings do not validate righteousness. God defines what righteousness is. And so we can't have a love of the world. We've got to get that out of our life. Now, the Bible plainly states, and don't worry, I do see the runway. The Bible plainly states that that, uh, there is no neutral ground between God and the world. That if we align ourselves with the worldly system, then we commit spiritual adultery and we are unfaithful to God. See, we, the word adultery there, we just, we, we only sometimes, well, only almost always think of it in the sense it's marital, a violation of the moral contract of a marriage. But really, adultery would mean a violation of any covenant. Okay, and, and so uh, if we align ourselves with the world system, then we commit spiritual adultery to the one true God. Please ask me to prove that. Would you give me James chapter 4 and verse number 4? You really want me to prove it? I'm, I'm going to prove it in the Bible. Let's see what, oh, I love, I love the elder James. Boy, he's rough as a cob sometimes. Let's see, okay. All right, put it up there. We're going to see what the Bible says. Oh, it's there. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, just in case you thought he was being gender specific. (laughs) Just in case he said, you adulterers, and all the women said, well, he wasn't talking to me. Or if he said adulteresses, and all the men said, what talking? He said, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is what? I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. Can we break this down a little bit? The world is enmity. Brother Garza, go back on Google and did this last night. Do you got that definition? Throw out this definition. At least y'all think I'm, you know... Read, read it out. What is enmity? So friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Are, you, are we catching this? I know it's 2023, but we need to catch this. That friendship, and let me say it again, that doesn't mean you can't have a friend that's not saved. It's not what he's talking about. That if we have alignment with the world system, then we are hostile to God. So then God said, okay, if you want to be a friend, the word friend there in the Greek, here's my professor moment. And the word friend in the Greek, the word friend in the Greek, its base word, yes, is that, but friend, but it also means, it means an affiliate or a companion. A companion of the world is the enemy of God. God said, if you ally with the world and become hostile toward me, God said, I will become your enemy. Amen. Folks, we have got to make sure that we remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Can I say this with that? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I've already walked on it a little bit. Let me walk on a little bit further. This means that I cannot ally myself with things that are hostile toward God. Because if I align with anything that is opposed to God and his word, then God will oppose me. And it, and it doesn't matter if I say I'm a Christian. That's why I was talking about the rainbow flag a while ago. You've got to be, don't let politicians and political parties suck you into their worldly cause. We're in election season, all right? We're fixing it. Let me help you out. We're, we're almost in election season. Two things going to happen. One, COVID's about to get really bad. I predict it. There's going to be some strand, you know, the zebra version of it or whatever, right? There's going to be the hafafalugic mahabinist, flevenist, version of it, all right? It's about to come out, and, and even though we got 10 new vaccines, you might have to get another one, or you can't go vote, right? It's going to be something really crazy and wild, all right? So that's probably going to happen. And you ready for the second one? There's about to be intense racial strife. People are waking up to this. How come every four years? Right? And so what these people will do, these politicians will do, is they will try to convince you on the plane of, their, of your emotion. Support me. Support us. We're for you. But if you ever get off the plane of emotion, because a lot of what they say, you agree with, right? A lot of what they're saying, that will hook you. Say, oh, yeah, 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 I believe in that. But if you ever go down and dig just a little bit, you'll go, uh-uh. I'm not supporting that. Taking my kid away from me because I don't want my boy to be a girl or my girl to be a boy. Some of y'all think I'm, 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 I'm being hyperbolic on this. This is literally what they do. So, so, well, pastor, I agree with them in this area. Okay. I'm not saying that it's wrong to agree with them in that area. But their agenda is not that area. If they wanted to fix that area, they would have already done it. But they know how to manipulate us. Uh, see, former part of this very same lesson. They know how to manipulate us. And they'll say, you gotta, if you don't vote for us, all of these bad things are going to happen. Meanwhile, they're sticking drag queens in your kindergarten class, and they're promoting pedophilia. See me after church if you don't believe it. I'll give you the facts on this. They're promoting pedophilia. They want to take away your, they, they, they already can, in some states, give your child sex change hormones without your knowledge and permission. But this one issue is what they got you worked up over. Don't you ally with that, or you'll become God's enemy. Amen. Well, praise God. That's just, I, I, man, I sometimes say that's just old-fashioned. That's not old, that's bible fashion. We cannot ally with things that are against God. Can you say, man, amen, if we love the world, we cannot serve God. 
because the, the world system is opposed to God. And it's apparent that a person must not love the world if we desire to live a life of holiness. This is what this whole series is teaching us, that God's system is opposed to the world system. And a life of holiness is pursuing the path of God to follow after the Lord, and it's okay to be different. Because here's the thing, and, and I've got the landing gear down right now. This is the part of the flight that makes my wife nervous. The landing gear is going down. It's getting bumpy. Maybe it's already been bumpy for some. If we don't commit ourselves to the way of holiness, if we align ourselves, if we align ourselves to the world, the system of the world, or things that are against God, it will hinder us from having a victorious Christian life. And it will lead us away from the church. And eventually, not maybe, it will turn you back to a life of sin if we don't get the love of the world out of our heart. If we don't get a love of the world and the world system out of our heart, we will turn away from God. We will stop swimming and the current will take us to the gulf of perdition. If we don't get the love of the world out of our heart, we will eventually forsake God. Oh, I wish somebody would say, prove that, Pastor. Would you get me 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10? And we're going to start hitting the runway. 2 Timothy 4 chapter 10. This is what Paul said. Go ahead and put it up when you get it. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved. Because Demas could not get the love of the world out of his heart, he forsook the church, and he forsook living for God. Demas was a quitter. He was untrue, and he was unfaithful to the Lord. It is difficult to understand how a person can turn their back on Jesus and forsake eternal life for the temporal things of this world. But Demas did it. Demas forsook God because he could not get the love of the world out of his heart and out of his life. Listen, the sin of backsliding is serious, and it's inevitable to anyone who will not get the world out of their heart and to people who will love the world more than they love Christ. Whichever way a tree leans, it's going to fall. Brother Clifton is a tree expert. Have you ever been cutting a tree down that was leaning right and said, all right, it's about to fall. Everybody, go to the right side. No, because they'll get killed or, or severely wounded. If the tree's leaning right, which way do you tell them to run? Go left. Go the other way. Whichever way you lean is which way people will fall. Make sure you lean not to your own understanding, but lean to, if I fall, let me fall into the arms of God. Let me fall onto the altar. Let me fall into the grace of God. Amen? Because if we don't get it out of our heart, if we don't get it out of our heart, we will turn back. And, and before I close, and I'm almost done, I, 
please say, Pastor, prove that. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to do it again. Jesus said, I want you to remember the most famous human being for turning back. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Lot's wife became the memorial and the poster child for the backslider who turns back. The sin of backsliding is serious, and it is inevitable to ones who turn back. She didn't look back out of curiosity. She knew what was going to happen. The Lord had already said he was going to burn the city up when fire and brimstone. She did not look back because she was curious. She looked back because she still loved Sodom. It's unbelievable that a woman or anybody like that, that same city filled with the same people who just, just moments earlier wanted to violate her own daughters or her husband. And a husband who was so, let's be honest, Lot was not a good man. Because when they said, we want to have our way with your friends, he said, just take my daughters. But she was so twisted with her love of the world that when the fire rained down, she looked back because she loved. We have got to turn our back on sin. I know this is old-fashioned. We've got to turn our back on the world. Brother Lucas, if you'll come. If, if a Christian's love is rooted in the world, eventually you will turn back to the world. And for this reason, the love of the world is not frowned upon in the Bible. It is forbidden. Because to look back will disqualify you from the kingdom of God. And one more time, would you shout, Pastor, prove it. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, Jesus said, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We got to get the love of the world out of our heart. Amen. That's what Jesus said. If we put our hand to the plow, meaning the plow, the gospel plow, we used to sing a song, I've got my hand on the gospel plow and I'm moving on, on, on for Jesus. If you put your hand to the plow in the kingdom, Jesus said, if you look back, you're not fit. You're not ready. You're not committed for his kingdom. Amen. What I'm doing in this series is trying to show us from the word of God that it is okay. And not just okay, it is commanded of God for us to not be like the world. 
we don't love like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't walk like the world. We don't look like the world. We're not entertained by the world and its system. Hey, it's okay to be different. God's people have always been different. And let me, let me give you a, a, a secret here, all right? Lean in because this is a secret. God's people have always been hated. Modern evangelism and modern churches in the last 50 years have caused more failure for people living for God than the devil ever could. Because they preach, oh, if you'll just serve God, everybody will love you. That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, come follow me. You'll be hated of all men. Listen. When the world hates you, Jesus said, that's okay. They did the same thing to me. Just shake the dust off your feet and keep moving on. The world's going to oppose you. The world's going to make fun of you. The world's going to, not, you're not supposed to fit in this world. Well, I, I walk around and I see people. I'm like, man, I don't fit in. I don't fit in. I just don't belong here anymore. And you know, makes it well that's because you know you're a southerner in, in California when I go home I don't even fit in there this whole world's changing it's getting more wicked and it's getting wicked at a faster pace I just don't fit in and I'm not supposed to I fit in about like a skunk at a Sunday school picnic people that really serve Jesus are not welcome nor are they wanted at the table of the world but we make up in our mind I love him more than I love this world and if you'll what I'm about to say if you'll lock this into your heart you'll be able to live for God not without resistance not without struggle but you'll be able to live for God with purpose and intent this right here I want the acceptance of him more than I want the acceptance of people when I draw my last breath and that last trumpet sounds Sister Strickland I want him to say well done thou good and faithful servant I accept you into the joys of the Lord because if I get acceptance from the world here I get rejectance from him there but if I get rejected by the world here I'll be accepted by him there would you stand with me amen oh I feel the presence of the Lord tonight Go ahead, lift your hands and voice. The Spirit of the Lord's moving. Go ahead, sis. Go right ahead. Come on, church. Just begin to let the Spirit of the Lord move in. There's such a beautiful wave of the Holy Ghost right now. Shandaria, 
Oh, I wish somebody would cry loud and would echo those same sentiments Sister Strickland saying right now. Would you say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Just say, that's what the angels are singing right now. He's holy. The whole earth is filled with his glory. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation is the joy of the whole earth. It's Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Holy, 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 holy. Go ahead and worship his holiness. Go ahead and worship His holiness. That's our, there's a deep move of the Holy Ghost here right now. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.